Haiti is a very, 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 very important uh, island in uh, the Pan-African struggle. Haiti uh, brings pride to Africans who know history. In 1803, Haiti was the most democratic country in the world. It was the only country in the world that did not allow slavery on its borders. The only country in the world in 1803. Once you properly understand this history, because you know these uh, capitalist pigs have such a way of making it appear as if we've never done anything as Africans. We don't know democracy. Yeah, we don't know democracy. In 1803, Africans gave the freest world the freest nation to the entire world. The only country in the world that did not allow slavery was Haiti. And not only did not allow it, but the only country in the world that put its natural resources towards fighting against any oppression was Haiti. Simon Bolivar, who liberated South America, anyone who knows the history knows it was Haiti that gave him the money, outfitted him with ships to start this trouble. And the Haitians demanded only one thing of Bolivar. When you free Venezuela, when you free Colombia, when you free Argentina, when you free Peru, free the slaves. The only condition of which they required of Simon Bolivar. This is history. You can't hide the truth, and if you know your history, you look for history, you will find it. You can imagine the threat that history imposed, that Haiti imposed upon America since 1803. There was nothing that American imperialism, one other thing I must tell you. From this period, 1803, Haiti fought every major European power, the Americans, the French, the Spanish, the Germans, the Portuguese, all of them, trying to bring Haiti down, and not one of them could make Haiti renege on her democratic principles. On that country, there would never be on that territory a slave. Every man, every woman was free. You just make it to Haiti, and you're free. No slavery. Everywhere else, there was slavery. Everywhere else. In the great America, they were, let's not talk about that. So anyway, you could imagine the threat that Haiti posed. American imperialism, all of its life, had only one objective, to bring those slaves back onto the plantation. There was only one objective, bring those slaves back to the plantation. And America, France, all of them could not bring Haiti back to the plantation. Even after slavery was uh, made illegal throughout the Western Hemisphere, and was even abandoned, and emancipation proclamations were read everywhere, Haiti continued to be the guiding inspiration for Africans throughout the Western Hemisphere. It was not until 1915 that American imperialism could put the heels of the Marines on Haiti. Install Papa Doc, a scum of our race. One who would bow down to the wishes of imperialism and rape his people without the slightest mercy. And since then, that's where Haiti has been. And that's where it is to this day. And it's certainly not Bill Clinton who's going to liberate it. Just the masses of Africans. Welcome, brothers and sisters. I am your host, Dawid Yaakov Maccabea. Today's date is March 31st, 2012. You are listening to Signs and Wonders, the broadcast that came right on time. Today's broadcast is called The Destruction of Gog. Okay? The Destruction of Gog. Now, um, as soon as I... Uh, Called in my my uh, call got I called in to Skype and I got knocked off and um, I would hopefully this uh, broadcast is not sabotaged today. Um, I'm doing some uh, sound checks to make sure I'm heard and uh, okay that's good. Um, 
I'm not opening up the chat right now. And the reason why I'm not opening up the chat is because this broadcast is that important. And I don't want people to be distracted. Uh, let's just say um, it's going to be full. Okay? Now, before I begin, I want to open up in a word of prayer to our Father. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for uh, another opportunity to speak to your children. Oh, Father, I thank you for um, a wonderful week, oh, Father. And, Father, I ask that you bind and bound any demonic spirits or forces that try to hinder this broadcast. I ask that you open the ears of your your, your uh, children, oh, Father, so they can hear this message. Father, I thank you for your love and your word and your patience, oh, Father. Thank you for waking us up. I pray this prayer, oh, Father, in Yahshua. Whether 33 A.D. story or 160 story, O oh Father, the teacher of righteousness, O oh Father. I pray this in the name of our ancestors, O oh Father, Yaakov, Isaac, Abraham, Shem, O oh Father, Noah, Adon, that line that brought forth your seed. I thank you, Father, and ask that you guide me today on this broadcast, and I thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, y'all. Um, first, I want to thank Brother D for helping me uh, put this together and inspiring me to do this broadcast. Okay, what he did was he uh, guided me to Ezekiel 37, and we're going to go through that later on. It's very important. I also want to thank Sister Nava for sending me the clip on memorandum 46 Now this is very important y'all Okay And you're right sister in your email In that message you said I ha- I had no idea Okay But I do know now <laughs> I do know now And um, last but not least I want to thank those 20 people that Are standing by our brothers and sisters in Africa And those of you that decided to sit on the sideline Well Hey, what can I say? Well, what I'm going to do, though, for those of you that did sit on the sideline and decided not to sign that petition to help your brothers and sisters in Africa, I'm actually going to read something for you, okay? I'm going to read you a uh, an email. Now, the reason why I'm, I sent this out, it's kind of like an experiment, okay? Because the most important thing that we we, we need in this time is unity. Unity is the most important thing we need at this time. Okay? Now, I say this, 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 I always say this, either we come together willingly or we come together by force. Okay, now I'm going to read this email and then I'm going to uh, continue with the broadcast because this is from a sister that, um, you know, got the message. She writes, uh, like I said, I, I didn't tell her I was going to do this. She says, Shalom, brother. Just wanted to let you know how encouraged I am to hear another Hebrew share my concerns. When I first came into this truth, I was bashed and degraded for taking up for the so-called Africans. If you can recall, I shared some of the concerns with you. She goes, uh, my people are from West African Yoruba tribe. Now, those of you that don't know, that are pretty ignorant, the, the Yoruba tribe 
are the ones that are the Hebrews because that's where the Hebrews went to out of the land of Assyria. You need to do some research before you start dogging the Africans. And he goes, uh, because of some criticism, I stopped talking about my concerns. However, I never stop educating my people about who they are. She's educating her people. I'm happy to say to you, they are waking up. I'm hoping and praying when I'm done with school here to go there and teach in our in one of the universities. I do travel there ever so many years, and I'm hoping to go back sometime next year. I ask for your prayers that I'm, that the Most High will be will be done. Remember, only eight people before the flood. Nothing new under the sun as the days of Noah, uh, as, as as the day of Noah. And then she says, "Stay on course, brother. This walk is lonely. Imagine what Noah and his family felt. Eight people, brother. Eight people, brother. Okay. And, and you know what? I thank that sister for that. I thank that sister. Now, I want y'all to uh, did y'all did y'all hear that? Okay. This sister is." Spreading the information to her people in Africa She's spreading the information that We are the Hebrews Of the Sidi And some are bashing her for doing What she is supposed to do Now that's a damn shame Now I ask those of you that are listening By the computer Okay uh, I want you to grab a pen And a piece of paper Because you're going to need it for later Okay. And uh I would also like those that can record this message live, if you can um if you you have the ability to record it, I ask that you can record it, okay? Now this is one of those broadcasts that you don't uh you want to you don't want to you don't want to miss, okay? You want to have this. It's very important. So grab a piece of paper. You will need it for later. Uh this broadcast. Um and of course, after this broadcast is complete, download, 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 and pass it on. Now, okay, how many of you heard the National Security Council Memorandum 46? It's called National Security Council Memorandum 46. Okay, the the, the uh, this is the one that created the policy towards Black Africans and Black Americans. These black Americans in the, in the uh, black power movement. Now, I have a version of this on whoinet.org. You can uh, read it as I go over it, because I'm going to read this today. Okay. Now, if you wa- if you ever wondered why there are so many problems in the black community, well, today you will get your answer. Think about it: over 13 million abortions. We have the AIDS. We have crack cocaine, gang warfare, gang uh, warfare, single mothers, prison, poverty, and depopulation. I mean everything. So where where does all this come from? Huh? Where does all this come from? Now, I'm gonna um, get this paper ready, and first I'm gonna play an audio file, and then I'll be right back. Uh, United African Movement because the world is divided into many, many different categories, but one of the categories which interests those of us who are concerned with advancing humanity the most 
is that between the conscious and the unconscious. This uh, division between the conscious and the unconscious must be properly understood. The people instinctively love freedom and they will instinctively fight for freedom. But you cannot win freedom on instincts, you can only win freedom on reason. Therefore, the unconscious are those who react on instinct. The conscious are those who react on reason. The job of the conscious is to make the unconscious conscious. Let us make a simple example. I think it was in 1992, after one more brutal beatings too many, the African population in Los Angeles, California, revolted rose up in righteous rebellion. This was instinctively revolutionary. Instinctively in the sense that it wasn't planned. Instinctive in the sense that it was this reaction to brutality. And this instinctive revolutionary act was very costly to American capitalism. It even had to bring in the American army. Very costly. But since it was on instinct, it had no reason, nothing to direct it, it would spin itself out. Those who participated were largely unconscious. We must come to understand that the overwhelming majority of our people are unconscious. But just because they're unconscious, you shouldn't think they don't want freedom. As a matter of fact, sometimes the unconscious is quicker willing to give their lives in struggle than the conscious. These are simple facts. Would you imagine what it would be like when we are conscious rebellions, when we consciously organize to rebel in Los Angeles with reason? I mean making supply lines, making sure armaments are there, having hospital aids, having fire brigades, just like they do even in Ireland, nothing big, just a little planning. Just a little planning. This is what we want to speak to you about this evening. Making the unconscious Conscious. Now we must say from the very beginning, the only, underline the word only, the only route to consciousness is through struggle. Now for example, we've shown you the unconscious struggle. Those who rose up in righteous rebellion against the state police in Los Angeles, they were, they were consciously involved in struggle. They're involved in struggle, unconscious, but involved in struggle. The conscious must understand precisely what their task is, and we've said this two years ago here, and we repeat it. Ours is not to teach the people to be conscious, but to make them conscious of their unconscious behavior. Our task is not to teach the conscious to be, to teach the unconscious to be conscious, but to make them conscious of their unconscious behavior. Because unconsciously, instinctively, they seek freedom. What we must do is make them conscious, look, you want freedom anyway, let's be serious, let's sit down, let's stand it, let's wait protracted war, and let's tear down the system and walk on to liberation. It's as simple as that. Okay, I'm back. 
Now, uh, why did I play that audio file? Why did I play that audio file? Well, after I read this uh, National Security Council Memorandum 46, you will know why. Now, for those of you that um, are by a computer, if you go to whoinet.org or hebrewswakeup.com, you will see that I put the National Council Memorandum 46 on the web, and um, I'm going to read through this whole article, this whole little devilish, demonic deed they have here. And I advise you to follow along with it, and also I advise you to download it and keep it. Because once it gets out that we know it, know about this, it's not going to be uh, out for long. But uh, if we can push it, push the issue, then they'll have to respond to it. Okay, now, so... Why am I so upset at Connie 2012? Why do I feel the need to take action? If you still ask that question after I read this, then uh, you really need to check yourself. All right, now, if you want to call in, the um, call-in number is 347-826-9484. That's 347-826-9484. And um, like I said, I'm not opening up the chat yet. I'll open it up later. Uh, I just want to, you know, I don't want people to be distracted now. Now, remember, grab that piece of paper and, and pencil. Have it handy. And uh, National Security Council, Memorandum 46. Okay, now it reads. Now, this is addressed on March 17, 1978. Let me give a little bit of background on this. This document, and how did, how did this document come into our hands? Okay. Well, there's a guy. And... Um, let me see if get his name right. He's, he was actually, uh, he was fighting against the uh, AIDS in, in um, you know, he was fighting against the, the problem with AIDS. And he was trying to sue the government so they can respond to his concerns. Okay? And I think the guy's name is Boyd Graves. Okay? And he's out of San Diego. All right, now he's been going to court for years. And what he did was, in 2003, I think, he went to, uh, he, he was in, the, in court, and because he was suing the government, they had to give him these documents. So in presenting his case to say that the United States is guilty for basically giving AIDS to the black community in Africa, uh, basically black community, he had all these documents. And one of them was Exhibit 10. Exhibit 10 is what I'm going to read to you today. Now, Brother uh, Graves was, um, you know, he doesn't really know what he did with this document. I mean, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but this is serious, okay? And I advise you to read over it because this is what they had in, uh, this is official document. Court, this is evidence in court. If he would have lied about this, it'd be perjury. This is Supreme Court. And if you try to go to the Supreme Court to find his case, they wiped him off of the Supreme Court website. They are trying to hide this. It's that important. Very important to understand this. Okay? Now, um, what else did I want to say about this? Uh, okay, it, it'll come. Okay, now, it's addressed March 17th. 1978. Keep that date in mind. Actually, write that down. Write this down. March 17, 
1978. Look at that date, 1978. Mind you now, in 1968, Martin Luther King was killed. Between that time, we had the Black Power Movement. We had, um, you know, and then all the, the Black Power people being, being killed. And then all of a sudden, things changed. The whole mood changed. And then stuff started happening. Now, listen to this document, and then you will start to see it all play out. Okay? All right, now here we go. It says, Presidential Review Memorandum, NSCM 46, to the Secretary of State, to the Secretary of Defense, and to the Director of Central Intelligence. All right? Secretary of Defense, Central Intelligence. These are the top notch. Everybody knows. All right? Now, what's the subject? Black African and the U.S. Black Movement. And it reads, The President has directed that a comprehensive review be made of current development in black Africa from the point of view of their possible impacts on the black movement in the United States. The review should consider long-term tendencies of social and political development and degree to which they are consistent with or contracted the U.S. interest. Two, proposals for durable contracts between radical American leaders and leftist leaders of the U.S. black community. Did you hear that? Three, appropriate steps to be taken inside and outside the country in order to inhibit any pressure by radical African leaders and organizations on the U.S. black community for the later for the later to exert influence on the policy of the administration towards Africa. Then it says the president has directed that the NSC Interdepartmental Group for Africa perform this review. The review should be forwarded to the NSC Political Analysis Committee by April 20th. Signed, Zibnir Brzezinski. Zibnir Brzezinski. Zibnir Brzezinski, the Secretary of Treasury, the Secretary of Commerce, the Attorney General, and the Chairman, Joint Chief of Staff. Excuse me, everyone. They just declared war on black Africa and black African Americans. <laughs> Don't even, we shouldn't even split that. They did declare war on Africa. Whenever you have the joint chiefs of, uh, of chiefs of staff, attorney general, secretary of defense, hello, wake up. National Security Council inter- interdepartmental group for Africa. And it says, um, I'm, I'm going to try to rush through this. Going to make sure I get through this. Uh, study response to Presidential Security Review Memorandum NSC 46, Black Africa and the U.S. Black Movement. Objective of policy towards black Africa is to prevent social upheavals, which could radically change the political situation throughout the area. The success or failure of our policy in the region depends on the solution international and internal issues whose importance of the United States is on the increase. Then it says, Section 2A, U.S. interest in, Afri- in black Africa. Now, pay attention, y'all. Pay attention. It's very important. A multiplicity of interest influence the U.S. attitude towards black Africa. The most important of those interests can be summarized as follows. Political. Now, under political, it says, <clears throat> if black African states assume attitudes hostile towards the U.S. national interest or policy towards the white regimes, which is a key element in our relationship with the black states, may be subjected by the later to great pressure for fundamental change. 
Thus, the West may face a real danger of being deprived of access to the enormous raw materials, resources of Southern Africa, which are vital for our defense needs as well as losing control over the Cape Sea route by which approximately 65% of Middle Eastern oil is supplied to Western Europe. Now, think about this now. They are moving into Africa for the raw materials and oil. Think about AFRICOM right now today. They just found $24 trillion uh, worth of raw material in the Congo. They just found an oil well in Kenya and another one in Uganda. And today, what do they say? All of a sudden, the uh, Lord's Resistant Army has now abducted 13 people and killed. Come on. They haven't heard of these people, heard from these people in years, but now in the news today, the Lord Resistance Army seems to be resurrected right on the heel of this phony 2012 video. Please pay attention. And it reads, moreover, moreover, such a development may bring about internal political difficulties by intensifying the activities of the black movement in the United States, United States itself. All right, now, what was the black movement at this time? We have uh, Angela Davis, H. Rep. Brown, okay, Huey Newton, Stokely Carmichael. How many of those brothers are in jail and prison dead? Huh? It should also be borne in the mind that black Africa is an integral part of the continent where tribal and regional discord, economic and backwardness, inadequate infrastructures, drought and famine are con- constant features of the scene in conjunction with the artificial borders imposed by the former colonial powers, guerrilla warfare in Rhodesia and widespread indignation against, parti- against apartheid in South Africa. The above factor provides the communist states with ample opportunities for furthering their aims. The must this must necessarily redound to the determinant of United States political interests. Now, did you hear that? The artificial border. And what was the main thing that they're concerned about? Apartheid South Africa. What year is this? 1978. When was uh, South Africa free? 1994. Okay? This is all racism, y'all. This is a policy of racism. This is, it's only 10 years since 1968. They killed King in 1968. Still racist people were still involved. Now they're talking about having a, a agenda against black Africans for some daggone raw uh, material? Okay, now it says economics. Black recently becoming an outlet for United States exports and investment. The mineral resources of the area continue to be great, be of great value for the normal function of industry in the United States and allied countries. In 1977, United States direct investment in black Africa totaled about 1.8 million in exports, 2.2 billion. Uh, no, uh, total 1.8 billion and exports 2.2 billion. New prospects of substantial profits would continue to develop in the countries concerned. Now, so you mean to tell me you destroyed black Africa and uh, the black African movement for some damn $2.2 billion? That's it? You see what I'm saying, y'all? We're, we're worth nothing to these people. 
But hold on now, it gets better. It says Black Africa and this U.S. Black movement. Apart from the above mentioned factors, advisors. Now keep in mind, this is this is written by Zidnir Brzezinski. Zidnir Brzezinski, the man that brought us Barack Obama, the man that brought us Barack uh, Barack Obama. He he's writing this. Understand. Apart from the above mentioned factors, advisor to U.S. strategic interest, the Nationalist Liberation Movement, and Black African act as a catalyst with far-reaching effects on the American black community by stimulating its organizational consolidation and by inducing radical action. Such a uh, result would be like as Zaire went away of Angola and uh, Mozambique. You know what happened that time? They stood up. Angola was helped by Cuba, and I believe Mozambique, I didn't. I don't study that one, but I'm pretty sure they were helped by uh, uh, somebody, and they were able to, to maintain their resources. Okay? And it says, uh, an occurrence of the events of 1966 and 68 would do grieve harm to United States prestige, ex- uh, especially in view of the concern of the present administration with human rights issues. Moreover, the administration would have to take specific, uh, specific steps to stabilize the situation. Such steps might be misunderstood both inside and outside the United States. You know what I'm saying? Now, what, they, what they're saying is that that movement that we had in the United States, the, the Black Panther movement, talking about racism and equal rights, it was hurting them. And they were, they were scared that if we continue to talk and we start to talk to those in Africa, then it would spread. And this was a danger to the interest of the United States. Pay attention. In order to pre- to prevent such a trend and protect the United States national security interests, it would appear essential to elaborate and carry out effective countermeasures. Okay, now they are declaring war on our people. Our people. Possible possibility of joint action by US black and African national movements. In elaborating, uh, U.S. policy towards black Africa due weight must be given to the fact that there are 25 million black Africans whose roots are African and who constantly, no, who, who consciously or subconsciously sympathize with African nationalists. Now, let me read that again for y'all that uh, criticized me for that, that um, little 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 coney thing. That's just a little coney thing. All I'm doing is uh, I'm just telling Congress uh, don't use my tax dollars to wage war. I mean, am I allowed to at least tell Congress not to 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 send uh, troops to Africa? I mean, they do it without my uh, approval. So at least if I say don't do it, I know it ain't gonna do nothing. But at least I can ask them. No, 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 no. We we, we can't even do that. Now let me read that again for y'all that didn't hear that. In elaborating, United States policy towards black Africa due weight must be given to the fact that there are 25 million, there's 40 million of us now, y'all, since 1978, 25 million American blacks whose roots are African and who consciously and subconsciously sympathize with African nationalism. Now, how come Zidnir Brzezinski knows who we are, but you don't? Then it says, the living conditions of the black population should 
should also be taken into account. Immense advances in the field are accompanied by a long-lasting high rate of unemployment, especially among the youth, and by poverty and dissatisfaction of government social welfare standards. These factors taken together may be provided a base for joint actions of a concrete nature by the African nationalist movement and the U.S. black community. Hello. Basically, actions would take the form of demonstrations and public protests, but the likelihood of violence cannot be excluded. There would also be an attempt to coordinate their political activities by local, locally and internationally organization, organizing organization. So this is basically saying we got to make sure that they don't organize to keep uh, to uh, spread consciousness to what's going on in Africa. <laughs> they they deliberately are separating us from our brothers and sisters in Africa. Not just Zbigniew Brzezinski, but the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of Defense, the President. Is anybody hearing me? And it says, inside the United States, their actions could include protests, demonstrations against our policy towards South Africa, that racist-ass country, accompanied by demand for boycotting corporations and banks with maintained links with that country, attempts to establish a permanent black lobby in Congress, including activist, leftist, radical groups, and black legislators, the emergence of pan-African ideas, resumption of protests, marches, rallying, the days of Martin Luther King, I mean, recalling the days of Martin Luther King. So they're scared of us recalling the days of Martin Luther King where we actually stood up for something. Then it says, renewal of the extremist ideas, nationalist ideas of establishing an African republic on American soil. So all those that thought that, oh, I wonder why we can't make a, a nation separate on African soil. Because Zbigniew Brzezinski wrote about it in this uh, memorandum 46, and he said, we make sure that that don't happen. You're trying to push a boulder up a hill because they ain't going to let you. And it reads, finally leftist radical elements of the black community could resume extreme actions in the style of the defunct Black Panther Party. Now, why was the Black Panther Party defunct? Gee, J. Edgar Hoover, uh, uh, the Central Intelligence Agency, are you getting the picture, everybody? No, we shouldn't connect with Africa. What? Internationally, damage could be done to the United States by coordinating activities of African states designed to condemn U.S. policy towards South Africa. There they go again. And initiate discussion on the U.S. racial issue of two. Now, listen to this. This is very important. All right? Now, what does it say? It says... Um, Internationally, damage could be done to the United States by coordinated activity of African states designed to condemn U.S. policy towards South Africa. Then it says, and initiate discussion on the United States racial issue at the United Nations where the African representation uh, constitutes a powerful bloc with about one-third of all the votes. Okay, now, they're saying that the African nations, if they got together, they can actually change policy in the U.N., okay? Because we consist of one-third of the United Nations votes. 
and it reads, a menace to U.S. economic interests, though not a critical one, so, you know, it's just a menace, one could be posed by boycotting, <laughs> what, so one could be poised by a boycott by black African states against American companies, which maintain, which maintain uh, contact with South Africa and Rhodesia. Now, remember them states, Rhodesia, South Africa, uh, the ones that um, had that uh, racist policy. If the idea of economic assistance, the uh, economic assistance to Black Americans shared by some African regimes could be realized by their placing orders in the United States, mainly with companies owned by Blacks, they could gain a limited influence on the United States Black community. So here they go again, keeping us apart. They don't want us in the United Nations. They don't want us uh, protesting. They don't want us speaking about it. They don't want us organizing everything to keep us apart. Why? So they can continue to get that $2.3 billion measly dollars. Then it says, in the above content, we must envisage the possibility, however, remote, that black Americans' interest in Africa affairs may refocus their attention on the, listen to this, Arab-Israeli conflict, taking into account the African descent the African descent of African blacks, it is reasonable to anticipate that their sympathies would lie with the Arabs who are closer to them in spirit and in some case related to them by blood. Black involvement in lobbying to support the Arabs may lead to serious discontent between American blacks and Jews. The likelihood of extremist actions be either side is negligible, but the discord may bring about tension in the internal political climate of the United States. Now, I hope you all didn't miss that. Just like before, Zibnir Brzezinski knows that our roots are in Africa, but we don't. Zibnir Brzezinski knows that, I quote, Arabs who are closer to them in spirit and in some case related to them by blood, he knows that we are related to the Arabs, but yet we reject them. Are they not Hebrews? He knows it, but we don't. Now, what are the political options? In the context of long-term strategy, the United States cannot afford a radical change in the fundamentals of its African policy, which is designed for maximum protection of national security. In the present case, emphasis is laid on the importance of black Africa for U.S. political, economic, and military interests. What are the recommendations? In weighing the range of U.S. interests in black Africa, basic recommendations range without intent to imply priorities are. Now, let's see what they're going to do so we don't talk to our brothers and sisters in Africa. Let's just see what they could possibly do. So we don't speak to our brothers and sisters in Africa. Let's see. One, specific steps should be taken with the help of appropriate government agencies to inhibit coordinating coordinated activities of the black movement in the United States. So this is the destruction of all black power movement. You wonder why we can't get a black power movement? $2.3 billion in raw materials. In Africa. Two, 
special clandestine operations could be could be launched by the CIA to generate mistrust and hostility in America and would and would opinion and world okay in America and world opinion against joint activities of the two forces to cause division among black African radical nationalist groups and their leaders. Oh, I wonder why we don't have any black leaders lately. Where are our black leaders? Now remember y'all, this is written in nineteen seventy eight. We got Al Sharpton now, we got Jesse Jackson, we got, you know, all these people, but uh, they ain't helping nobody. Oh, and we got Barack Obama. Wait, who gave us Barack Obama? Who? Oh, Zibner Brzezinski, the same guy that wrote this. Gee. And it reads, U.S. embassies to black African countries, especially interested in South Africa, must be highly circumspect in view of the activities of certain political circles and influential Individuals opposing the objectives and methods of U.S. policy towards South Africa. It must be kept in mind that the failure of the U.S. strategy in South Africa would adversely affect American standing throughout the world. In addition, this would mean a significant uh, diminution of uh, U.S. influence in Africa and the emergence of new difficulties in our internal Situation due to worsening economic prospects. Like I said before, y'all, keep record this. Okay. I'm making sure I'm still online. Hold on. Because I have to uh, make sure that I can hear it. Okay, now I'm going to keep going. Trends, uh, let me see. It says, the FBI should mount surveillance operations against black Africans, representative and collected sensitive information on those, especially at the U.N., who oppose United States policies towards South Africa. The information should include facts on their links with the leaders of the black movement in the United States, thus making possible at least partial uh, neutralization of the advice, uh, the adverse effect on the activity. Okay? Now, we're, we're listening to them kill the uh, representation of the U.N. Okay? They don't, want, they don't want us to do that. All right? They, um, they, Say that they don't want to have the. Uh, but I'm just checking to make sure my sound's on, y'all. They they want to kill the uh, representatives in the U.S. They send uh, discord between our people. They don't want us to have uh, leaders. Um, and it's going to get. Uh, there's more. There's more to it. Okay. I'm going to keep reading. I'm just going to make sure that I'm I'm recording here. Okay, I have it. All right now. The next section says trends in the American black movement. It says, in connection with our African policy, it is highly important to evaluate correctly the present state of the black movement in the United States and uh, basing ourselves on all available information to try to devise a course for its future development. Such an approach is strongly suggested by our perception of the fact that African blacks, uh, that American blacks form a single ethnic group 
potentially capable of causing extreme instability in our strategy towards South Africa. So, now, what, what's more treasonous? You're going you're gonna to kill and suppress your own people for another country? But if we speak out against the injustice that you call to us, we're treasonous? But yet you suppress us for another country? And for some measly $2.3 billion? Y'all ain't outraged. I'm sorry, y'all. This, this broadcast should be filled with brothers and sisters. This has affected every single one of us personally. It was written in 1978. If you, were, if you lived in America and you were black, it affected you. If you lived in Africa and you black, it affected you. Why? It went to the highest levels. It went to the CIA. It went to the Secretary of Defense, the President, the same man that has Barack Obama now. Zbigniew Brzezinski wrote this. I don't think y'all are hearing me. This may lead to critical differences between the United States and black Africa in particular. It would also encourage the Soviet Union to step up its interference in the region. Finally, it would pose a serious threat to the, de- to the delicate structure of race relations within the United States. All the above considerations give rise to concerns for the future sec- uh, security of the United States. And it reads, since the mid-1960s, when legislation on the human rights was passed and Martin Luther King murdered, or when he should have just said after we killed Martin Luther King, federal and local measures to improve black welfare have been taken as a result of which the U.S. black movement has, on, has undergone considerable changes. Let me explain this really quick. They had the poverty program, remember? That's what he's talking about. What he means is that, oh, let's, they started to use the poverty program to calm down the black people, us, in the United States after Martin Luther was killed. Now, listen what they, what the, how they use it. It says the principal changes are as follows. Okay, this is what they did for us. Social and economic issues have been supplanted, political aims, as the main preoccupation of the movement and actions formerly planned on a nationwide scale are now being organized locally. Fragmentation and a lack of organizational unity within the movement. (laughs) So they cause what? Fragmentation and a lack of organizational unity within the movement. Then it says sharp social stratification of the black population and lack of policy options which could reunite them. Okay, what do they do? When they say stratification, means they created a hierarchical structure in the black community. They made some of us more money, some of us less money. Okay? It was one of a national leader of standing comparable to Martin Luther King. These people hated Martin Luther King. So as they, when they gave us the poverty programs, they're just saying these are the things that they were allowed, they were able to do. And saying we 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 want a national leader understanding of of Martin Luther King, okay? Now, listen. It says the range of political options. They say uh, the concern for the future security of the United States make necessary the range of political options ar- uh, arranged without intent, implied priority, 
uh, they are. And it says, to enlarge programs within the framework of the present budget for the improvement of the social and economic welfare of American blacks in order to ensure continued, continued development of present trends in the black movement. Now, what does this mean? This means that they enlarged the programs within the framework. They increased a budget. They were giving us goodies so we can kill the black movement. Okay? Then it says, to elaborate and bring into effect a special program designed to perpetuate division in the black movement and neutralize the most active groups of leftist radical organizations representing different social strata of the black community to encourage division in black circles. Now we have have the question, why can't we get along? Gee, why can't we get along? Well, they say here. Say, uh, leftist radical is representing different strata of black community to encourage division in black circles. Two, to preserve the present climate which inhibit the the emergence from within the black leadership of a person capable of exerting national, nationwide appeal. So they're saying here that to make sure that we don't give them anybody, any black leader that can exert national appeal. It says to work out and realize preventative operations in order to impede durable ties between United States blacks, organization, U.S. organizations, and radical groups in Africa state. Here they go again. We want to make sure that the groups in the United States do not connect with the groups in Africa. They said that three times in this article. Three times to make sure that we do not connect with Africa. Then it says to support action designed to sharpen social stratification in the black community, in the community which would lead to the widening and perception of the gap between the successful educated blacks and the poor, giving rise to growing antagonism between different black groups and a weakening of the movement as a whole. Divide and conquer. So they basically made some of us successful, some of us unsuccessful. Put us all in one area. Oh, we don't like the black, we don't like the dark skins, uh, we don't like the light skins, I mean. Oh, make sure that the women are successful and the men are broke. Oh, let's make sure we give the son a job, but the man nothing. Let's put the black man in prison. I mean, they playing this stuff since the 70s. And you wonder what's happening to us. To, facil- to facilitate the greatest possible expansion of black business by granting government contracts and loans with favorable terms to black businessmen. So this means pacification. Okay? If you sell out, brother... You can have a business. Yeah. Why don't you just sell BET? Just sell it. You don't need it. Don't wake up the people. Come on. Don't worry about Africa. Then it says, to take every possible means through the AFL-CIO leaders to to contract the increasing influence of black labor organizations, which function in all major unions and in particular the National Coalition of Black Trade Unions and its leadership, including the creation of real preference for adverse and hostile reaction among white trade unionists to demand for improvement of social and economic welfare of the blacks. Now, have you ever heard of affirmative action? And 
why all the white people are so angry at us because affirmative action. I guess that was part of the plan, too. And it says, to support the normalization in federal and local laws of loyal black public figures to elective office to government agency and the courts. So basically they're saying here that, you know, in order to make this plan work, we need to support the normalization at federal and local levels of uh, of loyal black public figures. They mean Uncle Tom's. So they're filling our our, 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 uh, political offices with people that have no concern for us. Clarence Thomas. Does that ring a bell? So this would promote the achievement of a twofold purpose. First, it would be easier to control the activity of a loyal black representative within existing institutes. Second, the idea of an independent black political party now under discussion within black leadership circles would soon lose all support. And that is the end of this damn devil demonic ass document that has destroyed our community called the National Security Council Memorandum 46. And nobody's listening. So why do I get upset? Why do I get angry? Because these people are working towards destroying us. They got it documented. I mean, you could just go over. Go over all the things that we've been through as a people. All the hell, the foster homes, the the, the drug, the crack. Y'all know Rick Free Ray Ricky Raw. The CIA was bringing crack into the neighborhood. They got caught. What was that? In the eighties? Well, who's a part of that? You know what I'm saying? They have they have a system of destruction for us because they want the resources in Africa. It's documented. And the only reason why we know about it because somebody else was actually complaining about the AIDS epidemic, which they planned. It is is, uh, Exhibit 10. That means there's nine exhibits before that one that are probably even more devastating than this one. This one was was so irrelevant that he was just like, oh, this is Exhibit 10. Oh, look at this one. This is the uh, National uh, Security Council memorandum written by Zbigniew Brzezinski. That brother didn't know how important this was. This basically says that Zbigniew Brzezinski wrote a policy to destroy Africans to make sure we don't connect with Africa, and this is the man that now has Barack Obama as our president. Gee, you wonder why he's from Kenya? If you ain't mad as hell, something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. All right, now... Um, where am I? I'm gonna play some, and uh, and I'll be right back, and then I'm gonna start the uh, the second part of this broadcast. Let me see, where am I? All right. This aspect of the unconscious becoming conscious is linked to mobilization and organization, something we mentioned last year. We must make clear distinctions between mobilizers and organizers. To be an organizer, you must be a mobilizer. 
but being a mobilizer doesn't make you an organizer. Much confusion is to be found here. Martin X was a great mobilizer. He was a great organizer. Martin Luther King was a great mobilizer. He was not a great organizer. These facts can be easily seen from King and Malcolm. When Malcolm went to a place, he left a mosque. When King went to demonstrations, he broke down desegregation and he moved on. As a matter of fact, King was not concerned with organization to the point that even though he was the most popular Baptist preacher in America without the shadow of a doubt, and probably beyond the shadow of a doubt the most loved, he could not become president of the Baptist National Baptist uh, Convention. There are so many of them. The National Baptist Convention. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if my memory serves me correctly now, and I remember it was Muhammad Speaks that uh, carried the article on the front page in 1964 when King tried to become president of the National Baptist Convention, there was so much confusion there that a minister was actually put, pushed off the stage and died in the trouble. Yeah. And of course, King lost. The man who won was a reactionary man by the name of Jackson. He never did nothing for the people, never cared about the people, just was a pork chop minister who used their money to put gas in his big Cadillac. But he was organized. But he was organized. We said that we must come to know the difference between mobilization and organization because the enemy will use mobilization to demobilize us. Mobilization is very easy. Very, very easy. Well, since we're people who are instinctively ready to respond against acts of injustice, anytime there's one little act of injustice, we can blow it up and we'll find people who come and make some mass demonstration around it. Miss Sally lost a job. Let's rally. She will get a job back. People will come and rally. So-and-so got kicked out of school because the teacher's unjust. The unjust. The people will come and rally. They will come to rally at issues. And this is what mobilization does. It mobilizes people around issues. Those of us who are revolutionary are not concerned with issues, we are concerned with the system. The difference must be properly understood. The difference must be properly understood. Mobilization usually leads to reform action, not to revolutionary action. If we would look scientifically at the October 16th million and more march, we would see clearly that this was a mobilized event not an organized event. We must know quite a difference between mobilization and organization. One of the characteristics of mobilization is that it is temporary. Organization is permanent and eternal. Clear differences must be made because the unconscious can usually be captured easily around one-issue items, around mobilization items, but it's hard to catch them around organization. But these unconscious must be brought to organization. We must transform mobilization to organization. We say the enemy will come and use mobilization to demobilize us. Many brothers and sisters who've been to the Million and More March will say to you, I was there. Well, what are you doing today, my sister? I was there. There weren't too many sisters out there, but you know, with a million brothers together, you know where I had to be. I was there. <laughs> and then, of course, you find brothers, yeah, I was there, I was there. I had you. What are you doing today, brother? 
If we're not careful, we allow mobilization to become events. The struggle is never an event. It's a process, a continual, eternal process. Okay. Um, I just wanted to play that audio file for you. And uh, I advise you to go listen to, uh, go read the uh, National Security Council Memorandum 46 yourself. Also try to track it down and also try to go to the Supreme Court and try to find a copy and ask the Supreme Court why they removed this uh, from their website. And, you know, you, there's no question why. It's because if we wake up pissed off in mass, you know, it's pretty much over with. Now, I just want to uh, send a message to um, Zemir Brzezinski and his um, CIA people that are listening to this. It didn't work. Okay. We are going to connect with our brothers and sisters in Africa, whether you like it or not. There may not be many of us connecting, but we do not need many because we have Ayah, all praise his name. And this demonic paper that you put together and sent out to the chief of staff and security defense and all that, you can't kill us. We keep coming. And if I die, my boys will come. So, your days and numbers. Now, this week, I sent out an email expressing my frustration about my being upset at our present situation. I spoke on how I felt. You know, I felt like throwing the towel, ending the broadcast, and just doing, doing the research on my own with a few uh, serious brothers and sisters. I was upset. I was angry. I am human. But something happened. I prayed to Ayah. All praise. I asked forgiveness. Forgiveness for my weakness. And when I did that, he gave me strength. He opened my eyes to what it is we need. And what we need to do And for the next few weeks um, The next broadcast that I have I'm going to unveil What it was that he placed on my heart Now Whether you agree with me or not This is not my problem Because I'm speaking On what has been placed on my heart this is about us coming together as one people to honor our Father, the Most High, Ayah, all praise. The Most High, which is Yahuwah, and Ayah, all praise, is his name. Let me repeat that. The Most High, which is Yahuwah, and Ayah, all praise, is his name. Let me repeat that. The Most High, which is Yahuwah, and Ayah, all praise. Is his name Now Why did I repeat that Three times Well Because I'm trying To show you something Okay Now I want to do I'm going to do A little demonstration for you Now you got that piece of paper Now I would like you to listen To uh, What I want you to do um, When you look at 
the, the observe the computer and you look at the logo. If you're looking, if you're listening to this by computer and you're looking at the the uh, the logo, okay. Now I want you to notice the sign I created for the identity of who in it. Okay. Now notice the name Ayah. Oh praise Ayah. Notice that name A H Y A H. Okay. Now how this is spelled in ancient Hebrew characters you will see that it has three things. You see, you have one Hebrew character of a man to the right, and then you see uh, another Hebrew character of a man to the left. And in the middle of those characters, you notice that there is another character, which is an arm. Okay? So we have two men and one arm in the middle of them. The man on one arm spells uh, the man on one arm spells ayah. Okay, like you have two of them, both of those ayah ah ah yah. So the a h is one, a h is the other, and the y is yah. Now this is the Most High's name. Ayah, all praise, is a name that created unity between the Hebrews. What does this mean? This means it's one branch. We are one people. One Yah. Even the name, when you look at it, it represents unity. Two people becoming one in that arm holding us together. Look at the Hebrew characters. It's trying to tell you something. Now, if you notice, it looks like a branch. It's a stick. A stick. An arm bent as a stick. It's a branch connecting two people together. Now, that branch reaches Africa because we come from Africa. Our blood is African, and our home is in Africa. Now, to explain this without a doubt, I'm going to read a message that was given to us a long time ago. And this message can be found in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37. And this, this, is, the, uh, uh, this is what Brother D helped me with, and he helped me to see it. He told me, uh, Dawid, you need to read uh, Ezekiel 37. I'm like, all right, man, I'll read. I'll get to it, man. I'm a little busy right now, man. Let me, let me just, let me just, okay, brother, okay, brother, brother, brother Dawid, you need to read Ezekiel 37. All right, man. So I said, let me, let me read this. I read it, and I was like, man, okay. Oh, dag on it. So now I'm going to read it for you. All right, now listen. Ezekiel 37, and it reads, uh, okay, wait, but first, um, Hold on now. No, I'm not going to read that yet. Okay? Before I read Ezekiel 37, we have to do a little research. Yes. We have to do a little research. All right? We have to look at a name. And this name is Gog, spelled G-O-G. Okay? Now, this this broadcast is called The Destruction of Gog. Okay? We have to look at the name Gog. Now, here's the definition of Gog according to the World Wide Web, found on Wikipedia, okay? And it says, Gog and Magog uh, are names that appear primarily in various Jewish, Christian, and Muslim scriptures, as well as numerous subsequent references. In other words, their content can be either genealogical, as Gog in Genesis 10-2, or uh, apostolical, as in the Ezekiel and Revelations. There are sometimes uh, 
individuals, sometimes people, and sometimes geographical regions. The passage from Ezekiel and Revelation in particular have attached, uh, have attracted attention due to their prophetic description of conflicts said to occur near the end times. Now, did you get anything from that? Okay. It says etymology. The etymology of Gog, the name Gog and Magog, remains uncertain. They're uncertain. The Ma'at, the beginning of Magog, may indicate a land, or it may mean from, so that Magog means of the land of Gog, or from Gog, Gog may originate as the Hebrew version of the name Gia or Lindia, who made his kingdom a great power in the 7th century B.C. But this explanation, although common, is not universally accepted. A different theory is that Magog might be referenced to Babylon by turning BBL. Babylon in Hebrew scriptures which originated had no vowel sign into MGG. But this account, like the other, has problems. Okay, now, as you can see, Wikipedia is a little confused about what or who Gog is. So let's get let's go to another source. Okay? Now we're gonna see if we can track down uh and see uh, uh, see what we find. All right. Check in now. So I had to check my uh, check something real quick. Okay, y'all. Um, if uh, if this broadcast gets cut, we're gonna do the extended time. And also, brothers and sisters, um, if we want to talk, uh, we can go talk later on um, Skype. Offline, we'll uh, we'll do a Hebrew council meeting offline. Then uh, this is one that we're gonna have to, uh, you know, we have to go through this right now. Now the reason why I'm reading this is because this is actually going to explain to y'all why it is important that we need to be uh, uh, connected to our brothers and sisters in Africa. All right, we have to stop, you know, it, we have to stop and think. We have been in a system of bondage for so long that we don't realize that we are under mind control. And if you don't see the workings of the enemy, you will know that you are entrapped by the enemy. See, I'm able to see it. Now, I can accept the emails and the criticism because I know that most of us are ignorant. Hey, I said us. I'm ignorant too. I'm not trying to insult you. So I can accept it. But, uh, you know, you need to put new wine, new wine in new bottles. Okay? That's also in the New Testament. But you don't do it. Okay, now let me let me continue. Now here's what we find. Now when we look at the strong coordinates, okay? Gog, Hebrews one four six three. It says of uncertain derivation, Gog the name of an Israelite, also of some northern nation Gog. Okay? Now, so since we did not receive much information from this definition, we're going to let Strong speak for us. For those that follow my broadcast, you know that when I, uh, when a word does not give you much information, you have to look at the word around it, okay, and this word will give you a deeper meaning. So now we have to let the word speak, okay? And everybody, please please listen to how I do research, and you follow the way that I do it, okay, and you'll expand, you'll get more knowledge about the word. Okay, now, so um, Hebrews 1, 4, 6, 3 gives us the name Gog of an Israelite and Gog of some northern nation. Now, uh, how many would stop here? Okay. We need to keep going. 
Because if you don't, you're going to miss the mystery. So we have to go past Hebrew 1463. Now let's look at the next number. So we say, okay, we didn't get much there. What's the next one? The next number is Hebrew 1646. 1464. I'm sorry about that. 1464. Now it says, it's the prime root, akin to Hebrews 1413. Then it says, to crowd upon that is attack, invade, overcome. Now keep in mind, these are, these are um, characteristics of God. Okay? Now what they're saying is the relationship is to attack, invade, and overcome. Okay, now also notice what it says. It says Aiken to one to H one four one three. So then what do we do? Okay, well let's go to H one four one three. H one four one three it says a primitive root comparable H one four six one. It says to crowd also to gas, as if by pressing into, assembling cells by troops, gather selves together, self in troops, cut cells. Right? Troops, gathering. But then it says Hebrews one four six one. Now listen to the listen to this very carefully. Hebrew one four six one. Now mind you now this is all related to Gog. It says a prime root. It says to dig husbandmen. Now notice this word husbandmen. Let's look at the definition of husbandmen. What is a husbandman? It says a farmer, one whose business is it is to cultivate the ground. It was one of the first occupations and was esteemed most honorable. Now, ask yourself a question. Who was the first farmer? Okay? And one more thing. When we take this word and decode it with the ancient Hebrew calendar, I mean, I'm Hebrew calendar, the Hebrew characters that I have when you go to the, the site, uh, this is what we find. Okay? Now, we're going to the, the roots. The paleo, uh, not the paleo, the uh, the um, the Hebrew characters, right? Um, the ancient Hebrew. Now the word is G O O B, gulp. All right. We have Hebrew character. It's called gamal, G I M L. And what does this mean? It means to gather or to walk. So this is important, y'all. Pay attention. Now the other character is a bite, D E Y T. I'm probably saying it wrong. Today. And this means family, house, in. Okay? It means those words, gather, walk, family, house, in. This is a relationship to Gog. We're still talking about Gog. Okay? Now, for those of you that are lost, let me explain. The first farmer was Cain, right? Hebrews 1, 4, 1, 3 is speaking about a crowd of troops. Hebrews 1, 4, 6, 1 is speaking about a family that is wandering. Okay? Now, how do you know this? You can see this by the words they use, family, house, gather, and walk. Now, put this with the word husbandman, and we can see this is speaking about Cain. So it's about Cain's family. Now, how do you know this by certain? Okay. Well, let's look very uh, closely to the next word in strong concordance. Hebrews 1, 4, 6, 2, and it reads, it goes, Hebrews 1, uh, 1, 4, 6, 1, it says to go to that, but now we're going to, uh, from 1, 4, 6, 1, next, 1, 4, 6, 2, and what does it say? The locust. Then it says from its grubbing as a larvae, grasshopper, okay? Very important. 
locus. If you know now what a locus is in relation to, in studying with me, then you know who I'm going to speak about. Now, what family of people are associated with the locus? Okay? Now, the Amalekite. See, it's all connected. They're making a connection between the wanderer, between Cain, the husbandman, the farmer. You see, the word has to be revealed to us. You have to open it up and dig in. You just can't read it. It takes work. Okay? Now, I'm going to read something to you. This is Amos 7.1, and it reads, Thus have the Most High Yahuwah showed me, and behold, a swarm of locusts coming from the east, and behold, one caterpillar, King Gog. Now, there's something very interesting about this verse. I want you to take notice, okay? This verse is written in the Septuagint. This was the original statement before it was changed in 1611. And who was it changed by? Sir Francis Bacon. He had 54 other demonic demons. Okay, now if y'all know what I'm talking about, Puritans. Okay, uh, they hired people to write this. Sir Francis Bacon, 54 others. Okay, now after they wrote it, this is what they did. It says, Thus hath the Lord God showed me, showed unto me, and behold, he formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the later growth, and lo, it was the later growth after the king's mowings. Okay? Now, does this make any sense? Now listen to the Septuagint. And it reads, Amos 7.1, Thus hath the Most High Yahuwah showed me, and behold, a swarm of locusts coming from the east, and behold, one caterpillar king, Gog. Okay, now ask yourself this question. What are they trying to hide? This word Gog is a mystery. They're trying to hide this word Gog. But we did find it means husbandman, which is a farmer. We also see that this word is speaking about a tribe of people from the northern nations. We also see that these people are wanderers and characterized as locusts. We see that they are associated with the caterpillar. Now, one interesting thing, okay, one interesting thing to add to this, this word caterpillar, right? Now, what is the characteristic of a caterpillar? A caterpillar consumes 300 times its body weight every day, (laughs) okay? This is the characteristic of a caterpillar. Now, this is caterpillar king Doc. Please get the picture here, Okay. It destroys and eats. It destroys and eats. Then what does the caterpillar then what does the caterpillar do? It turns into a beautiful, deceptive butterfly. Alright? So now why did the Septuagint say one caterpillar king God? Open your mind. See what this word is trying to tell us. Now, who has these characteristics? Can anybody say the Amalekites? The Amalekites are the seed of the serpent. They are the offspring of Cain. Cain cannot farm, so he wanders through the earth consuming and destroying. Hello. 
find a little bit more information on God. It says, uh, now this is from Josephus Flavus, okay? His name is Josephus Flavus, a.k.a. Arius Piso, and it reads, Josephus identified the offspring of Magog as the Scythians. Uh, it says, a name used in antiquities for the people north of the Black Sea, a.k.a. Caucasus Mountains. According to him, the Greeks called Cynthia Magog. Okay, Magog. Okay, according to him, the Greeks called Cynthia Magog. So Josephus, Arius Pisos, is calling, saying that they actually are calling them Gog. The Cynthians are relation. Okay? Now, so Josephus is telling us that the people of the Caucasus Mountains, the Caucasians are called Magog, or the Magogia. Okay? Now, this is, uh, I'm going to read something from a book after the flood. And it says, The Table of Japheth. Now, I know, I know uh, many of you actually heard this before, and this is probably repetitive for you. But um, for those that don't know, please pay attention. It's very important to where we're going to, where we're coming upon. All right, and I'm going to read it. Table of, table of uh, Nations, Japheth. It says, <clears throat> now this is Magog. Uh, his immediate descendants, being known as the Magogites, Josephus tells us that they were later known to the Greeks as the Scythians. However, given the subsequent history of the people of Ashkenaz, who are far more certainly identified as the later Scythians, Greek Scythia or Assyrian Ascusa, it is much more likely that the early Magogites were assimilated into the people of Ashkenaz, thus making up merely a part of the Scythian horde. Now notice that word assimilated. Now let's see, what does this word assimilated mean? Definition. To take in and incorporate as one's own, absorb, to bring into conformity with the customs, attitudes, etc. of a group, nation, or the like, abdit, or adjust. And this is the verb. It says, to be or become absorbed or to conform or adjust to the customs, attitude, etc. of a group, nation, or like, or to bear a resemblance. Okay? Now, the question is, who absorbed who? Who absorbed who? Well, what does the book, what does the, the book say? It says, uh, it is much more likely that the early Magogites were assimilated into the people of Ashkenazi, thus making a merely a part of the Scythian hordes, okay? Now, keep this in mind. Also, for those that uh, are Star Trek fans, this this is kind of like the Borg. Remember the Borg went around absorbing people, okay? Now, who wrote Star Trek? This is their dream. They want to leave the planet and go absorb stars, okay? These people are crazy. Now, this is from, uh, this is Cynthia from Wikipedia. It says, in antiquities, Cynthia, or Synthis, was terms used by the Greeks to refer to certain Iranian groups of horse-riding nomadic pastoralists who dwelt on the Pontic Caspian steep. However, the name Cynthian and the related word Saka in Persia was also used to refer to various people seen as similar to the Cynthians or who lived anywhere in a vast area covering present-day Central Asia, Russia, Romania, and Ukraine known until medieval times as Cynthia. 
They have been described as a network of culturally similar tribes. The historic European Scythians spoke an ancient uh, Iranic language and throughout classical antiquity dominated the Pontic Caspian Steep, known as the, at the time as Cynthia. Okay? Now, for the sake of time, I will fast forward to the present. Okay? Around the time of Josephus, the people of Scythian were known as the tribe that came from Ashkenazi, the son of Japheth. The Ashkenazi tribe married into what is known as the Toric people, which are the Khazars. Okay? Toric people. T-U-R-K-I-C. These people are known as the Khazars. The Khazars became kings and princes because of their wealth. Okay? They became extremely wealthy because they were hired mercenaries by the Byzantine Empire. Okay. One Khazar. Okay. Uh, so the people become. Okay. Now what happened was the Khazars. They became nobility and elitist, or the elite. How did they become the nobility and elite? Because when the Byzantine would hire them, they became extremely wealthy, and plus they were like, they were like robbing people, plundering. They were powerful. So now we have the Khazarians, the nobility, the elite. They become the kings and queens, princes, okay, and princesses. And what happened? Then these people, the Khazars, they started to marry into the Germanic tribes. So you have the Tunic people marrying into the Germanic tribes, which are known as the Ashkenazi. These are the Ashkenazis of the Sea of Japheth. This is later. Okay, first we have the Magites, Ashkenaz. And then we have the uh, the Tunic people, Khazars, Ashkenaz. What's happening? The Ashkenaz are absorbing them. It's assimilation. This is important to understand. This is important to understand because it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to connect to something later. Understand, the Ashkenazis are absorbing these tribes into them to become one nation. Okay? Now it says here, Here's the definition for Ashkenazi. Modifier says, of the relationship to the Jews of Germany and East Europe, a German of, no, a Jew of German or East European descent. Okay? And this is what it reads in uh, Wikipedia. It says the Ashkenazi Jew is the Jews descended from the medieval, uh, medieval Jewish communities along the Rhine in Germany from Alsace in the south to the Rhineland in the north In the north Okay that's it Okay Okay, Basically so Ashkenazi means German Jew Okay Um, I'm not going to get into detail about how The conversion happened In 160 B.C. But I I advise you to to research that To understand that there's a difference between a Jew And a Hebrew and a Syriaco and you have to be extremely knowledgeable of that because if not, you're not going to know what's going on. Okay? Now, why am I reading this? Now, when we hear about this man named Hitler speaking about the Aryan nation, he talks about the blonde hair 
blue-eyed people. Okay? He's speaking about an unmixed people. He's speaking about the pure race, the ones that are not mixed with the Khazars, the Turek tribe. He's speaking about the blue blood. This is what Hitler's speaking about, right? Now, this is why when you look up the word Holocaust, it says, and I quote, this is a quote, it says, a sacrifice completely consumed by fire, burnt offering, a great or complete devastation or destruction, especially by fire, any mass slaughter or reckless destruction of life. And, of course, the systematic mass slaughter of European Jews in Nazi and AZI concentration camps during World War II. So the question is, who was the sacrifice? Think about it. Because that word, um, the word that was associated to the, uh, the Holocaust with the European Jews was an added. It came after. But the original word says a sacrifice completely consumed by fire, a burnt offering. So who was the sacrifice? Think about it. Now, we're going to look at this word Aaron. What does Aaron mean? The term Aaron originated from the Sanskrit word Ara, the origin and ethnic self-designated designation in classical Sanskrit meaning honorable, respectable, or and noble. In the 18th century, the most ancient known Indo-European language were those of the Indo-Iranian ancestors. Pay attention. The Indo-Iranian ancestors. The word Aaron was therefore adapted to refer not only to the Indo-Iranian people, but also the uh, native Indo-European speakers as a whole, including the Greeks, Latin, and German. Okay. Now, trace the lines. We go from Greek, we go from the Greeks to the Romans, then we go to the Holy Roman Empire. Okay. Indo-European now Greeks, Roman Holy Roman Empire Then we go to the Holy Roman Empire To the Germanic Kings And who are the Germanic Kings? The Germanic Kings They are the Kings of France The Kings of Spain And Portugal Okay. Now when we look at these Kings These make up the Indo-European nations Which are also related to the indo the uh, Indo-Iranians, which are the Aryans. Okay? Now, for those of you that are still following me, I want you to grab that pen that I asked you to take up earlier. Okay? Grab the pen. Grab a pen and a piece of paper. Now, I want you to write down this word. I'm going to spell it out for you. It's spelled A-S-H-K-E. N-A-Z-I Spelled A-S-H-K-E-N A-Z-I Now This word of course means Ashkenazi Okay Now what I want you to do is I want you to draw a line Through the A S H K And E Draw a line through it Now what do you see? Okay. 
Do you see the word? You see the word Nazi. Now, what were Hitler's goals? His goal was to establish world supremacy for the Aryan race. Now, what is the main characteristic of the Nazi? What is the goal? What is the what is the main goal of the Nazi? And it reads, it says to establish a dictatorial dictatorship the Nazis to establish a dictatorship over all cultural, economic, and political activities of the people in promulgated belief in the supremacy of Hitler as Führer. And it says, aggressive anti-Semitism, the natural supremacy of the German people, and the establishment of Germany by superior force as a dominant world power. Now, I want you to notice something. Did you hear it say aggressive anti-Semitism? Well, who are the Semites? Or better stated, who are those in the line of Shem? Well, follow the line. We have Shem, Eber, Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, and Yaakov. These are the Hebrews. Shem. Hebrews. Okay? This is why we see all the hell in Africa. Yes, this is Nazism. This is true Nazism. Why? Because they are they are they are against they are anti Semitic. Who carried it out? The Nazi. Okay? Now please open your eyes. Now what does it say? Now who is the Nazi? Nazi is God. Trace it back. Listen to it. Nazi is God. Nazi is God. Now listen. Magog is the son of Japheth. Ashkenazi is the son of Japheth. The son of Magog and the son of Go, uh, Gomor or God. Now look at the word Ashkenazi. These are the Ashkenazi Jews. The German Aryan, the so-called Jews, Nazi Jews. Do you see it? It's a joke on us. This is the great mystery. Okay? Gog is the serpent. Now, think about it. We have the Sephardic Jews, which are the French and Spain. Germanic. This is the Germanic line. What are they called? Merovingians. The Merovingian bloodline. These are the Aryan at the core. Now, what did, they, what did the Merovingians say? No, we are the blood of Jesus. This is how they rule. This is how they, got, they became the popes. Okay? Now, we have the Ashkenazi Jews. These are also Aryan at the core. Why? Because they're Indo-European Jews. They're not the Hebrews of the seed of Yaakov, but Nazi, Ashkenazi, Kanak, Nazis. It's like a trick. Now, think about it. Why did so many Nazis go to South Africa? I mean, uh, South uh, South Africa too, but South America. All the Nazis going down to South America. Well, have you heard of the conquistadors? Okay, the conquistadors. A conqueror, one who conquers of the Spanish blood. Okay, conquistador. Why? Because many of the conquistadors were what? 
Sephardic Jews. What about after World War II? Okay? When the Nazis were allowed to go to America under Project Paperclip. You see, this is the great deception. Gog are the Nazis, the pure bloods, the pure blood, blonde hair, blue eyes, the pure race, the racists. And they have a mission, and that mission is played out through what is called Zionism. Now, last week I played a broadcast. Stokely Carmel was speaking about it. I was also speaking about the uh, United Nations saying that Zionism is racist. They were so pissed that they decided to take out that statement on all the nations that called them racist in 1991, made it null and void. Rhodesia, South Africa, all of the all of the places that were racist that were taken over by the colonial powers to suppress the black people and take the wealth were the racist nation. What was in there? The Ashkenazis, the Nazis. Hello. Okay, now... What I want to do is I'm, I'm going to take you through uh, the reason why I want to take you through that is so you can have a clear understanding on who Gog is. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. Okay? We got to know who Gog is. Okay? And, and and why? Why Gog will be destroyed? Okay? Now we're going to listen to the destruction of Gog. And um, I'm going to read Ezekiel 37, and as I read this, I want you to observe how our prophecy is being fulfilled, okay? Now, I'm going to keep talking, and uh, I'm going to jump to the other side. If uh, this broadcast is cut off, i got about 22 minutes, and I'm going to ask those that are um, watching this uh, by the computer that you call in to um, uh, 347... 826-9484 And also um, We're going to actually have a Hebrew Council meeting We're going to have one after And I'm um, sorry I'm not op- answering any calls right now Because I want to make sure I get this Get this on uh, on this on this audio file And I'm asking those to record this I'm recording it We can actually have this uh, to listen to again Okay And like I said the call number is 347-826-9484 347-826-9484 And we are going to go On to the other Side In about 20 minutes Now <clears throat> This is why I wanted to um, Do this broadcast I went through all that To get to this point I wanted to explain To the people why I wanted to do the Connie 2012 Petition To ask you to sign the petition Why did I want the petition signed <clears throat> Well Because whenever black people get together And do something And actually come up with something It's a miracle We got over 20 people in counting To sign a petition To say That we are not happy With AFRICOM Going into Africa and stealing the resources. Twenty-four trillion. Now, think about this. When there was three billion, what did they do to us? They disorganized us for years. Put crack in the neighborhood. AIDS. They went crazy. 
for just $3 billion. Now, there's $24 trillion on the line. What do you think they're going to do to us now? Hello? I think we better stand up. I think we better say something. So, but it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. Why is it not hopeless? Ezekiel 37. All right, now. Ezekiel 37, and it reads, The hand of the Most High was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Most High, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of dry bones. Two, and caused me to pass by them, and about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Three, and he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Yahuwah, Ayah, all praise, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of Ayah, Ayah, all praise his name. And then five, thus say Yahuwah unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am Iya. All praise. Seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And then I beheld, lo, the sinews, and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Okay. Now, first, we have to know who these dry bones are. Many of us Know that these bones are a symbolic of the CD gold. All of us should know that, but I say many of us because some of us are, are still stuck in the uh, Christian doctrine. But okay, you'll just listen up. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the next few verses, then we're going to go into, into, into uh, greater detail. Okay. Ezekiel 37:9. Then said he unto me. Prophesize unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith Yahuwah, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe unto these slain, that they may live. <clears throat> then it says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Feeding great army. Okay, now first I want you to think about something. But 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 like 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 I said before, I'm gonna thank Brother D. Thank you, Brother D, for guiding me with this. Because I cannot overstate how important this is now. Now pay attention to the process that these dry bones are going through. Okay. Part one: the dry bones. 
which is death. Okay? The dry bones are a representation of death. That means they have no life. Now, this is the whole house of Yaakov. We're separated from each other. We are dead. Okay? We are spread all over the world. Okay? We're the, we, we, we don't know who we are. We're the dry bones. Where are we? We're in Spain, France, India, South Africa, the United States, Canada, Africa, China, Japan. Okay? We're the, we're the north, the south, the east, and the west. We're all over this planet. And none of us knew who we were. Okay? We were dry bones. Now, what is part two? Okay? Now, the dry bones are hearing the truth. 34.4 says, And again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of Ayah, all praise. Ayah. Now, think about this. How long did it take us to hear the word of Ayah? How long did it take us to hear the word of Ayah? Now, if this was Christianity, if if Ayah, all praise, was in Christianity, then why are the bones still dry? Hello. 500 years? Still dry? But when the Hebrews start waking up to who they are and saying, I or praise, they start to sink. Now, think about it. Now that we know the name of Ayah, or praise this name, and we know that we are his people, now, look at what happens. And it reads, Thus saith Yahuwah unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and ye shall know that I am Ayah. Understand, brothers and sisters, this is a process. Dry bones, breath. What is the breath? The breath which is the truth, the spirit of Ayah. What does he say? He says, I will lay sinews upon you. Now, don't overlook that word sinew. I looked it up. This word sinew, it means, it has two meanings. They mean tendons, Okay. It means tendons. Like these are, this is the deeper, the deep muscle. And they also said ten, uh, the the the, the uh, tendons is power. It means power. This is the power behind the muscle. So what does this word mean? It means strength. He says, "I will lay sinew. I will lay strength on you, breath." This is saying, "Ayah, all praise will be our strength." Okay. Now, when we were in Christianity, did we have this strength? But when we start speaking that name, we start recognizing who we are, now there's strength. I will lay strength upon you, power. 
The deepest part of our strength is Aya. Now can you see it? From dry bones to breath to sinews to flesh to life to knowing and knowing that Aya is life. So can you see it? Ezekiel 37.11 Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Yaakov. Behold, they say, O bones, because our bones are dry and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our part. Twelve, therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith Yahuwah, Behold, O my bones, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Got that in Thirteen, and ye shall know that I am Yahuwah when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. Fourteen, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Most High, have spoken and performed it, saith the Most High. Okay, now... Let's take a look at this verse. These bones are the whole house of Yaakov. This means everyone, all the tribes, all the tribes that were taken to the four corners of the earth, Africa, America, South America, China, Caribbean, West Indies, India, Europe, everywhere the slaves were taken, the house of Yaakov is there. It says, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your land. And they shall know that the Most High have spoken and performed it, saith the Most High. This means that there is going to be a time when we, the seed of Yaakov, by the will of Ayah, will be placed back into our land. The land of Yaakov. Now, how will this happen? The destruction of God, the Nazi, the fakers, the ones that want to yell anti-Semitism, whenever you start to find out the truth. But in, in, in actuality, the anti-Semitism is coming from them because they are against those of Shem. And who is of Shem? Abraham, Isaac, Yaakov, the Hebrews, open your eyes. The mind game, the destruction of God, 37.17. The word of the Most High came again unto me, saying, Moreover, moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah. Listen up. And for the children of Israel, his companions. See, they're separate. Judah, Israel. Then take another stick and write upon it. For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim. Okay? And for all the house of Israel, his companions. Okay? Then 17, and join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. Okay, so now we have 
Judah and Israel, which is actually one stick, because Israel and Judah, but then there is a separation, Joseph and Ephraim. Now, if you think about Joseph and Ephraim, right, <laughs> where was Joseph? Joseph was in Egypt. He was there before the Hebrews went there. Joseph married who? The Egyptians. Who's the Egyptians? Those of Ham. Cush. Africans. Wake up. So now we have an African stick, and we have another stick. Okay? This is in the word. You don't want to talk to no Africans? Are you crazy? These are our people. It says here, and for those of the house of Israel, his companion, 17, and join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. 18, and when the children of the people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by this, by these? 19, saying to them, Thus saith Yahuwah, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the land of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his fellows, and will put them with and put them with him, even with the one stick of Judah, and make them one stick. And they shall be one in mine hand. Then it says, And the stick whereon thou Writest shall be in thine hand before thine eyes, and say unto them, Thus saith Yahuwah, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from amongst the heathen. Let me read that again. I will take the children of Israel from amongst the heathen, whither they go, there be gone, and will gather them onto every side and bring them into their own land. So there's going to come a time when the Hebrews all over the world are going to be going to Africa. So there's something really big happening, and this is the reason why we have that uh, Memorandum twenty, uh, memorandum 46, because they wanted to keep us separate. You see, if they could keep us separate, if they could keep us out of Africa, then we won't be able to fulfill the prophecy. But if some people start to say, why don't we start to connect with Africa and help them out with their problem because those are our brothers and sisters, then maybe Ezekiel 37 might be fulfilled. Maybe. Just maybe. Now listen up. Third 22. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Okay? Now I'm going to continue, but uh, I see the time is ticking. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play something, and then I'm going to let that play, and then we're going to come back on the other side. But I want to tell you something. Now, uh, I got a couple emails this week about people um, saying that I'm uh, working out of the spirit of the Most High, I guess. I don't know what they're talking about. I guess they they think that I'm doing things on my own. Oh, oh, oh no. It, here, here it was. They said I was living in the flesh. <laughs> living in the flesh. I'm not living in the flesh. I'm a human being. I see people suffering. I have to speak about it. 
If a man falls on the ground, I'm going to pick him up. If a woman is getting raped, I'm going to beat the hell out of the rapist. I have to help. I'm not going to wait for the most high, uh, not most high, Christ. I'm not going to wait for Christ to speak to me to tell me I have to react. You have people getting ready to get plundered again for their trillions of dollars in mineral wealth, and you criticize me for writing a petition. It's just a petition. I mean, if they're going to send my money to Congress without me approving it to fight wars that I don't approve of and take my taxes away, and I can't even say nothing about it, what does that make me? I can, don't, can't I at least write Congress and say, hey, I don't like what you're doing. Here's a petition. That's the right of a, of a normal person. And by you criticizing that is quite strange. Now, Ezekiel 37 states that we are supposed to be back in the land. How is that going to happen? Well, first the dry bones have to wake up. They have to shake. It causes movement. All the 20 brothers and sisters that signed that petition represent that movement. I advise those of you that are listening to this, sign the petition. Let's fulfill the prophecy. Okay. Now I'm going to play this, and then I'll meet you on the other side. Let me see which one. Oh, here we go. We say it is our job to use mobilization to drive us to organization. You know our theme is organization. We want power. We don't want money. We don't want fame. We don't want fortune. We don't want popularity. We want power. Power. And power comes only from the organized masses. Power comes only from the organized masses. Therefore, since this is what we're concerned with, power, and we as a Pan-Africanist, we have every right to be concerned with it. Africa, after all, is the richest continent on the face of the earth. Properly organized, should be the most powerful continent on the face of the earth. Therefore, our drive towards power is clear. We want power, and we can only have power through the organized masses. Of course, capitalism, a system which in deforming our thinking always seeks to make it appear as if the organized masses is some unattainable goal. Even the other day, when speaking to a sister who uh, has been involved in uh, activities over 30 years, she said, Kwame uh, Ture, uh, so you, when you say a mass party, what do you mean? I said, I mean a mass party. She said, but the APRP goes everywhere in England, they go in the Caribbean, in, uh, uh, in, uh, in the United States, in Africa, and they're always saying about a mass party. What do you mean? I said, every African in the world inside our party. She said, are you going to get that? I said, that's what I'm working for. And if I don't get it, my granddaughter going to get it. But I'm working for it. <coughs> Her disbelief comes from the fact that capitalism tells us that well, you can be scientific about everything except human nature. That people are so different. They have such different tastes. Such different time, la, 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 that you can't bring them together under the same roof. This is a lie. We will never tire of saying it. Capitalism does not lie some of the time. It lies all of the time. When it tells the truth, it's a result of a double lie. <coughs> it's a logical fact. It's a logical fact. 
So capitalism has this belief that you can't organize all the people around the same thing. That's not true. You can organize all the people around one thing. True. Now, what capitalism will try to make it appear as if the truth is not one truth, but anybody can have the truth. This is stupidity. Nobody's born with the truth inside of them. If they were, they wouldn't need to live. We come to know the truth from outside of us. Some people think that they know the truth because they were born to know the truth. That's a lie. You know the truth from constant struggle against lies. That's how you know the truth. Constant struggle against lies. For example, they try to make it appear as if we Africans will not arrive at uniting ourselves even around even the question around our identity. Well, you may call some of them Africans, but some call themselves black, some still call themselves colored, some that's fact they do that. But this is because they've been miseducated by a system which seeks to keep us divided, and this is the truth. And this is the truth. Obviously, we cannot be, all of us, so many different things. We must be one thing. Of course, for our party, there's no question. As for the United African Movement, we're Africans. End of discussion. End of discussion. This struggle is not an easy struggle. The struggle to go from Negro to Black was a difficult struggle. Capitalism did everything to roll it back. Even had us confused. I'm not black. Look at me. I'm brown colored. Yes. I'm not black. I got Indian blood in me. Oh. What nonsense they didn't have us say just to run away from the truth. We told them then, it is more difficult to go from Negro to black than it is to go from black to African. Many people criticized us for our efforts. Oh, in the 1970s, we had our last press conference. We said, we're going to put the word Africans on the lip of every African in America, and we're not going to use the capitalist media press. And we have done it, and we have not used the capitalist media press. As a matter of fact, the capitalist media press, in trying to stop us from going to Africans in America, tried to throw out African Americans. They did it. We saw the whole scene. It's our job. We followed it carefully. Of course, they want to say African-Americans, of course, that keeps us exactly where we are. If you're African-American, you're obviously not the same like an African-Kenyan. And certainly not the same like an African-Brazilian. And certainly not the same like an African-Trinidadian, etc., etc., etc. But once you're just African, ain't no question. Ain't no question. You're African, yeah, where you were born, Trinidad. You're African, yeah, where were you born, Uganda. You African, yeah, where were you born? Egypt. You African, yeah, all Africans. Once you have proper identity, one of your biggest problems is solved. Because...
wanted to um, I wanted to go over that, and I'm not done yet. I still have a lot more with Ezekiel 37, but since the time was was uh, ticking down, I needed to um, to uh, you know save it for the last hour. Okay, now speaking of Ezekiel, what we're gonna do? We're gonna think about the process. Okay, the process of Ezekiel. Now, step one. The shaking and waking of the dry bones. The seed of Yaakov is finding out who they are. They're finding out who they are. We are not Negroes. Okay? We are not spooks, blacks, colored, or African American. We are Hebrews of the seed of Yaakov. Step two, all praise. Ayah. All praise. Ayah. What did he do? He breathed. On the bones and What does it say Prophesy unto the wind Prophesy son of man And say to the wind Thus saith Yahuwah Come from the four winds O breath And breathe Upon These Slain We now start to wake up With the power Knowing who we are Because of that breath That spirit That now dwells in us And is us that's very important. The breath is in us, so now what is us? So who are we? We are of the spirit of Hayah. <laughs> Power. Step three. We are giving strength. Okay, we're giving uh, a strength in the deepest parts of our spirit, the deepest parts of our muscles, the sinew. We're giving Power. Power to stand Power to come together Power to come together See we're all One Brothers and sisters When we come together We are able to speak Now Those that are listening to me Those that signed the petition When I, when I asked you to sign the petition I said I am looking for those That want to lead With me how do we know to lead? What do we do? Ezekiel 37. We got the spirit of the most high in us now. We have the I don't think, look, please listen to me. Understand where I'm coming from. This is something special going on right now. Brother D and I were talking earlier. There's something happening. It ain't for everybody. Not all people are leaders. Hey, I know that I'm putting myself out there. If they want to take me out, cool. I'll bring a report. Bring a report back to the Most High. I'd be like, how was it down there? I'm like, well, we waking up. Finally, boom, they're done. They don't want to kill me. They're too scared. I ain't scared to die, but they're too scared. <laughs> we're waking up. Now, we're standing on our feet. That means we speak to all our brothers and sisters. We speak to our brothers and sisters in Haiti, Brazil, Jamaica, St. Thomas, South America, South Africa, Uganda, Nigeria, Congo, Great Britain, the four corners of the world. This is a process. This is a process. Now think about this now. The, the, the Christianity, right, they went everywhere. They went to Brazil, Africa, missionaries talking to Africans. 
But yet when we want to do it, we get criticized. Come on now. When we want to do it as Hebrews, to speak to our brothers and sisters about being uh, the CD Yaakovah, helping them out, to show that we have solidarity with you, we get criticized, but yet the missionaries are everywhere. Come on now. Who are you talking to? Step four. Moreover, it says, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel his companion. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph and uh, the stick of Ephraim and for all the house of Israel his companion. And join them one to another into one stick. Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is the which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellow, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. Whose hand? Yah's hand. All right, Yah. All praise to His name. And who can take us out? Ayah's hand. Tell me who can. This is this is the prophecy right here. And then it says, And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Now, one last time. The Hebrews are located in Africa, just like that sister wrote the email. She says he's Yaruba. Yaruba is the core, the root. And them brothers are saying they were uh 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 um what is he, what was the word she used? Um, bashing her, bashing her for speaking to her own people. Come on already, that ain't nothing but demonic, y'all. Okay, the Hebrews are located in Africa, and those those of us. Okay, who say <laughs> we are not African or say that they do not want to get involved with Africa, okay, they, 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 they're fools, okay, they're fools. Now, my question is, are you truly Hebrew? Because if you are not feeling this, if you ain't feeling this right now, something's wrong with you. You see, because Uganda... Where the uh, uh, Lord Resistance Army in Americom is going to wipe out our people for some damn oil? That's 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 uh, Uganda's in Africa, and Africa is home. Now, as the word of the Most High states, they shall be one in my hand. Step four is the joining of the diaspora into one stick. The stick is those that know they are the seed of Yaakov. Now, Ezekiel 22, And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. 23, Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, Christianity, nor with their detestable things, nor with any 
of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their Yah. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Yaakov, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell there, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant Dawid shall be their prince. 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and, and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. Hallelujah. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their Yah, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Most High, do sanctify Yaakov. Yaakov, the Hebrew of the seed of Yaakov, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Now, do you still believe that we should wait for this uh, false Christian Christ? Are you totally aware about what happened during the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD? Okay. Have you ever heard of the words uh, usurpation, algamation, or conflation? Are you 100% sure you are reading your Bible correctly? Now remember, at the end of it all, it will just be you and the Most High. Okay? Just you and the Most High. And all praise to Yah. All praise to Yah. Now, I'm going to play um, some audio files here, and this is going to go over Ezekiel 38 and 39. Because Ezekiel 38 and 39 are what happens after we go back to the land. Now, listen very carefully about uh, to these uh, audio files, and you will see what is, how the prophecy is being fulfilled. Okay? Now, first we're going to go to Ezekiel 38. And I'll play it right now. Chapter 38. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn thee back, and put hooks into thy jaws. And I will bring thee forth, and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Goma and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people, against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God. It shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, 
I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy, and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day, when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old times by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? And it shall come to pass at the same time, when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down, and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother, and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Okay, now after listening to that, what you have to put into what you have to put into uh, understanding is that there has to be a situation on this earth where the world is going to know that this event is taking place. Now, if Gog is the Nazi, and if the Nazis are the ones that are controlling this world, then that would mean that the Most High is going to show his power to the world through his people by confronting these Nazis. Well, who represents the Nazis? Well, neocons, neocolonialism. Whenever we, we hear about the Illuminati, what do they say? Nazi, fascism, Hitler. Now, if you think about Hitler, right, where did Hitler get his inspiration from? Helen Blavatsky. This is all connected to that demonic spiritualism. Okay? Theosophy. This is, I, I go over this in my broadcast. I talk about the Temple of Hethra, Hethora, the Ascended Masters. This is all connected to this. There is a book called The Final Solution, and you read this book. It's, it's called, it's called uh, Towards the Final Solution. They actually speak in depth on how Hitler was all into this this um, Indo-Aryan philosophy. 
This is how we came up with the Aryan, Indo-Aryanism. So when I ask you to write down Ashkenazi and actually you saw Nazi, it's like, is that a coincidence that Ashkenazi, you take off those letters, it spells Nazi? And then the, the philosophy of Nazi is anti-Semitism? And anti-Semitism is actually the eight nose of Shem? When the Ashkenazis aren't even from the line of Shem, but they're, they're Indo-European? Nobody questions that, but then when you question it, they call you Nazi. They use their media to destroy you. They use their media to call you racist. They take over everything. These are some powerful, demonic, crazy people. Then they write Memorandum 46. These totally destroy any possibility of us organizing in the United States. Totally destroy Africa. Think about the Rwandan genocide. That was a manipulation between France and Belgium. They still have that country today. Even Museveni. Now they got the Lord Resistance Army lie, sending in AFRICOM, which is an offshoot of Memorandum 24, with our president, Barack Obama, who was under the thumb of Zygmunt Brzezinski. Tell me that the Nazis do not control the earth. So how do we get out of this mess? Well, the Hebrews of the city Yaakov wake up. They start demanding you leave Africa. How are these weak people demanding that? Because these people believe that the spirit of the Most High is in them. That's how we do it. And if you don't believe the spirit of the Most High is you, get on the sideline and let us get to work. Uh, now I'm going to play the second one, and then we were going to close out on this broadcast, but here it goes. Chapter 39. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back, and leave but the sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel, and I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name any more. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is come, and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years, so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forests, for they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoiled them, and rob those that robbed them, saith the Lord God. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea. And it shall stop the noses of the passengers. And there shall they bury Gog and all his multitude. And they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. 
and seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them, that they may cleanse the land. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a renown the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God. And they shall sever out men of continual employment, passing through the land, to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth, to cleanse it. After the end of seven months shall they search. And the passengers that pass through the land, when any seeth a man's bone, then shall he set up a sign by it, till the buriers have buried it in the valley of Amongog. And also the name of the city shall be Amona. Thus shall they cleanse the land. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, Speak unto every feathered fowl, and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves, and come, gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. Ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty, and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of goats, of bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan. And ye shall eat fat till ye be full, and drink blood till ye be drunken of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men, and with all men of war, saith the Lord God. And I will set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed, and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they trespassed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them, and gave them into the hand of their enemies. So fell they all by the sword. According to their uncleanness, and according to their transgressions, have I done unto them, and hid my face from them. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob, and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, and will be jealous for my holy name. After that they have borne their shame, and all their trespasses, whereby they have trespassed against me, when they dwelt safely in their land, and none made them afraid. When I have brought them again from the people, and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations, then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them unto their own land, and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. broadcast is called The Destruction of God. In the audio file, we heard the reader speaking about Gog, the chief priest. We now know that Gog is the Ashkenazi German tribe, the Aryans known as the Nazi, which is Gog. You see, they have fooled the world into thinking that they are the ones that made a covenant with Ayah. All praise his name, Ayah. But when we listen to 39.6-7, it says, And I will send a fire on Gog, Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isle. Now, this word isle. Look at this word isle. How, remember, who, how many remember this is the uh, Isles of the Gentiles? Carelessly in the Isles. Where does God come from? The north. Okay? Then it says, And they shall know that I am Yahuwah. 
For I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people, Yaakov. And I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen, which are Ashkenazi, German, racist, Nazis, shall know that I am Yahuwah, the Holy One in Israel. See, this, brothers and sisters, is the destruction of God. We have the victory, and it is written. Okay? It's written. All right, now, I'm going to say a prayer, O Father, I pray, and thank you, O Father, for bringing us to the understanding on who we are. It was a long journey, O Father, such a long journey, O Father. Thank you for letting me know that Zidnir Brzezinski is shaking in his boots because the worst-case scenario is coming to pass. The worst-case scenario that the Hebrews of the seed of Yaakov are looking right at you, Zidnir Brzezinski. We know about that puppet Obama you got in there trying to kill our people, and we are not going to let it happen. Ayah, all praise, his name is in the spirit of his people, and your time is up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And, Father, I ask that you bring the weak knees on board, O oh Father. Bring the weak knees on board. Let them know that we have the victory. Put them into this word. Let them know that the bones are shaking and they're coming together. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. I pray in the name of our ancestors. Yahshua, whether it be 33 AD or 160, Yaakov, Isaac, Abraham, Shem, Noah, Thank you for our ancestors, Father. Thank you for that beautiful line of Yaakov. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, everybody, I'll see you on the other side. Um, Skype, Skype name, Dawid Yaakov. Looking forward to speaking to you. Okay, peace. Uh, An Africanism... What I'd like to do in the 20-minute uh, period we have is to give you its general outline, its general development, and of course its uh, future path. Uh, some people think that Pan-Africanism is a response to colonialism. While certainly Pan-Africanism responded to colonialism, we must not think that it's colonialism that brought Pan-Africanism into being. Of course, to see this clearly, we should just look at the general evolutionary processes of all societies on a universal basis. All societies have a tendency to go from a smaller social aggregate to a larger social aggregate, from the family to the tribe to the clan to the nation to the continent. This is an evolutionary process. This theory can be seen in living practice if today we were to look at Europe. Europe everywhere speaks of European continental unity. Even though Europe has fought more fratricidal wars than any other continent or all the continents put together, Europe still speaks of European continental unity. Of course, Africa will unify before Europe, but that's not the point of discussion here this evening. The fact that Europe, with all the fratricidal wars she has fought, can speak of continental unity shows this evolutionary process. Africa 
like any other society anywhere in the world, was involved in this same evolutionary process, going from family to tribe to clan to nation to continent. This evolutionary process was interrupted by European imperialism. It came in two forms, slavery and colonialism. First, they took over 300 million, the strongest out of Africa, and then they divided Africa at the Berlin Conference. So you can see that Africa herself was moving on this evolutionary process. This evolutionary process, which would lead to continental unity, and Africa will still be the first continent unified, was interrupted by European capitalism. Since it was interrupted by European capitalism and evolutionary process, the only way that Africa can unite today is through a revolutionary process aiming at a socialist economy. If capitalism destroyed us, it doesn't make sense to use capitalism to continue with it. We must use the antithesis of capitalism, which of course is socialism. And certainly if the evolutionary process has been interrupted, the only way we can capture the time lost is through a revolutionary process. We state these facts only to let you know that those of us who are revolutionary, pan-Africanists, is not because we love revolution, it is historically determined and we have no alternative but to follow history and to use history for the benefit of our people. So this then is the general outlines of pan-Africanism, so you must not think that Africa just began. Had Africa been left untrampled by European imperialism, we would have a long time achieved uh, continental unity. Secondly, pan-Africanism must be seen as a movement, a mass movement. And this mass movement must be properly understood. Africa, of course, because of racism, is belittled everywhere. And many people do not see Africa's constant, constant, underline the word constant, contributions to uh, world civilization. In the, since the 1940s, Africa has given, even before the 1940s, actually, we can go back to the Honorable Marcus Garvey, Africa has given to world political movements a mass character. Africans revolt in masses, never as a vanguard party. If you look at the independence struggle in Africa, it was nothing less than mass. If you look at the struggle in the Caribbean for independence, it was nothing less than mass. And even in the United States of America, the only movement they call a mass movement is our movement. Therefore, this mass character must be properly understood. Pan-Africanism has this mass character. Africans have this mass character in responding. And our responsibility is to bring this mass character together, make it precise so that it can direct its blows at the enemy, hitting him, hitting him, hitting him, until we knock him down. Therefore, the, the task of Pan-Africanism is to gather the masses of our people together in the same organization, irrespective of where they find themselves, be it in Europe, be it the United States, be it in the Caribbean, or be it in Africa. This is the first aspect then we must understand. Pan-Africanism found its organizational expressions in 1900. Here, a Pan-African conference, here the word conference, was organized by Africans from all over the world. They came together deciding that something must be done for Africa. The, one of the leading organizers of this uh, conference was a man by the name of Henry Sylvester Williams, born in Trinidad, a man whom you should do some history on, a very, very great man. Uh, Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois attended the conference, but he was not one of the leaders in 1900. By 1917, 1918, uh, the idea of a necessity for a Pan-African uh, Congress, not conference, Congress, was to be called. But most of the people who did the conference were dead. Henry Sylvester Williams was dead. A lot of them were dead. Du Bois was about the only one who was alive. Du Bois recognized he had a historic responsibility to continue the work of Pan-Africanism, so he called the first Pan-African Congress. Make a clear distinction. The first one in 1900 was a conference. 
Du Bois being intelligent, understanding that a conference is limited and a Congress has more elasticity and can go longer, called it a Pan-African Congress. From the 1990s up until 1945, we could say seriously, Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois just about single-handedly kept the flame of Pan-Africanism alive. One thing must also be underlined to you. Pan-Africanism was brought into being in its organized form by the Africans outside of Africa. This was done only because of the oppression of Africa. At that time, Africa was under total colonial domination. There could be no political meetings. As a matter of fact, if you had the paper of the Honorable Marcus Garvey, you could go to jail. So the conditions were such that it was difficult for the Africans on the continent to organize. Africans off the continent, recognizing this, came quickly to fill up that gap. So Pan-Africanism itself was brought to bear by the diaspora. But you must not think that the diaspora brought Pan-Africanism for the diaspora. Not at all. The center of the discussions has always been Africa. This must be properly understood. Some people try to shift it, make it take it somewhere else, but Africa has always been the focus. Du Bois carried on his uh, congresses up until uh, the fifth congress in 1945. Because of time, we're just going through them uh, quickly. In 1945, saw the uh, fifth Pan-African Congress. Here, you had Africans born on the continent in the Caribbean, and uh, Africans, of course, born uh, in Europe and the United States. At this fifth Pan-African Congress, there were three co-secretaries, of course, W.E.B. Du Bois, George Padmore of Trinidad, and uh, Kwame Nkrumah of Ghana. So he had an African from the Caribbean, one from the United States, and one from the continent, who were co-secretaries of the fifth Pan-African Congress. The fifth Pan-African Congress is crucial for us. A decision was made there. They said that the final confrontation with colonialism is coming. After all, this is 1945, and you must know that there's negative and positives in everything. I remember once as a young man reading Mein Kampf on an airplane, sitting next to a woman. She said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean what I'm doing? I'm reading uh, Mein Kampf. Why are you reading it? I said, well, Hitler's a very important man. He had historical effects on the world, you know. I'm, she said, well, I'm a Jew. I said, have you read it? She said, no. I said, oh, that's bad. I said, have you not read Sun Yat-sen? She said, no. I said, he says, the first law of war is to know the enemy. If I were a Jew, I would read everything there is to read on Hitler. Of course. Of course. So, while reading Hitler, she was arguing. I said, well, Hitler had some positive effect anyway. She said, what positive effect did Hitler have? I said, Hitler weakened European imperialism. He weakened the British. He weakened the French. He weakened the Portuguese. He weakened the Belgians. And that's how we got independence. These are the facts of life. When Hitler got through with Britain, when the Indians said they want independence, Britain could do anything but get out of the way and let them have independence. Matter of fact, they got Mahatma Gandhi quick because they didn't want to deal with the armed struggle that the Indians were preparing for British imperialism in India. And by the time India was free, well, it was over. China came up after China, of course, Africa throughout, etc., etc. And by 1960, now, 1960, in 15 short years of the declaration of the Fifth Pan-African Congress in 1945, two-thirds of the African continent was independent. You must understand clearly the importance of this. Now, at the Fifth Pan-African Congress, they said the only solution to the final confrontation is mass organization. And I say, if you look at Africans, we have nothing but mass character in our struggle. Of course, this mass character for the moment is spontaneous and must be transformed to something that is planned and permanent. But certainly the mass character is there. If you just look back to the uh, Rodney King situation, those Africans who rebelled, rebelled in mass. They had no planning. That's how backward they were. They didn't think about it. Just on the spot, they said, okay, it's too much, let's go, let's get them. And everybody said, okay, let's get them. And we rise up as mass and we get them. 
And then we sit down for 29 years. Of course. Of course. But the mass character is there, and we must understand this uh, mass character. The Fifth Pan African Congress, most of Africa, of course, was colonized. Kwame Nkrumah came to change all this. By 1958, he threw the British out of Cape Coast and named it Ghana. And Krumah declared before the entire world that the independence of Ghana is meaningless unless it's linked with the entire continent of Africa and its unification and liberty. And Ghana and Krumah made Ghana the base for every movement that fought against colonialism. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming.